Welcome to The Rebellious Investor, the podcast that cuts through all the noise surrounding investing, property, mindset, and building your successful life. Let's get into it. Well, good morning, guys. Hey, buddy. How are you doing today? Good. I'm here with Matt Brown, my co-host, and our guest, Darren, a good friend of ours, Darren Younger, CEO of Bricklet. Good to have you on today's podcast, Darren. Thanks, guys. Great to be here. What so, a cracking day it is outside it, so far. I'm very much looking forward to summer being in full swing. Hopefully, yeah. I'll be able to get back on my surfboard after my recent uh, spill. Take us through that spill, mate. <laughs> Come on. It's basically an L-plate surfer thinking he's a uh, P-plater. <clears throat> yeah, so I dropped in on a wave, which is much too large for my skills, and end up uh, banging up my knee pretty badly, and I'm bruising some ribs. So I'm out of the water for a little bit, yeah. basically hobbling around, actually. So, yeah, need to uh, act my age a little bit, I think. You surf <laughs> like you live, Matt. Um, <laughs> any wave, no matter how small or how big or how early or how late, Matt just gets on that thing and next minute, I know I turn around and I see this board flying, I see Matt flying, <laughs> occasionally I see Matt, you know, surfing all the way into the beach, <laughs> very occasional. Very occasional is <laughs> that's the uh, outcome. Yeah. yeah, but I do uh, live life a bit like that, 100 speed, 100 speed all the time. Um, yeah. Well, the way I've, I've always thought about it is like, what's the worst thing that can happen? But actually... You can get really hurt <laughs> surfing, so I need to just tape. You can. <laughs> so I need to uh, taper that back a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've had my injuries. I've knocked out my tooth surfing and stuff like that. So hey, but hey, it's all part of the part of the fun. What about you, Darren? Do you surf? No, I'm not a surfer. Love the beach though. Um, every day at the beach, take the kids to the beach, but um, not a surfer. I don't like being in the water that long. But so, what do you do when you go to the beach? <laughs> just hang out, go in the water, get about knee deep. <laughs> Yeah, because you're also on the northern beaches, yeah? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I really love the the lifestyle that we have here, particularly for kids. Like I remember when I was growing up, um, what my weekends consisted of, even my weekdays, it was basically going to school, coming back, doing some sports, um, but having the privilege to be able to raise my family here on the beaches where it's, we can just walk home from school along the beach yeah. and then go for a swim uh, yeah, it's, it's a very, very nice lifestyle, so glad to have it. Do you guys go out, do you get out with the kids much during the week to the beach? Yeah, like pretty much every day now. Yeah. At the moment now, it's coming into summer. Well, because I mean, you've got like 15 kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just by. <laughs> no, I mean, I love the beach because I, I grew up out at Richmond, so the only water that we saw was the Hawkesbury River. So That's, a, that's not a bad spot, though, is it? Uh, yeah, that's a good spot. But, uh, Did you go not skiing? many waves. Water skiing, <laughs> yeah. Water skiing is good. Yeah, the um, tubes, just getting like out, that. like quite, quite a lot of kayaking and, yeah. and that kind of stuff. So, now, I spent a lot of time up on the Hawkesbury River up near Windsor, um, water skiing. So we had a couple of boats and we had like a little U-shaped caravan, little setup on uh, about fifteen acres of land. It was just the most amazing. Um, time with a really close family friends of ours like all of the kids like we're all now adults but we still when we're getting around remembering those times you're just like wow how good was that and then remembering our dads waking up so early in the morning to go and fill up the boats and do all those other different things yeah just sitting in a I boat for eight yeah. hours just driving like 14 kids around just non-stop doing circles <laughs> around the Hawkesbury <laughs> River yeah, yeah it's a lovely spot because our friends um, had a holiday home at St Albans Oh yeah, so that's up yep. that way too. Yep. So we spent a bit of time on the river too, and um, lovely spot. But then, so you grew up in Richmond, yeah, and then you now you're living on the northern beaches. Yeah, love it, absolutely. Been about twelve years on the northern beaches now. Yeah, what made you and, choose to um, move? Um, 
my wife. Is <laughs> it <a> Northern <laughs> Beaches? Oh, okay, rightio, rightio. So yeah. it was, uh, yeah, love that brought me here oh. for two reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Did love bring you here too, Matt? Uh, no, mate, I uh, brought my love here. I was, uh, I was here already. Um, but uh, she very much loves the beach. So, yeah, this is going to be our home for the foreseeable future, I think. <clears throat> yeah, cool. So, mate, it's really cool having you on today's uh, podcast. And why don't you tell us a little bit about Darren and where you started from and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, starting way back at the very beginning, I've always had a love for technology. You yep. know, my first computer um, my dad bought was uh, Commodore 64 oh back my in gosh, the late that's, 80s. That's a long time ago, mate. <laughs> I remember those cartridges where oh, you used to have dude. to blow the dust out of them, tap them on your leg, put it back in. <laughs> <laughs> well, before the Commodore 64, I actually had a Commodore VIC-20. Yeah, That's wow. even further back, so... Man, that's a, yeah, okay. So, yeah, Commodore so, 64. Yeah, so I started kind of tapping away, doing some coding on that, you know, and um, really enjoyed it. And, yep. and um, you know, found my, my love of coding and, and tech. And then, you know, over the years, um, you know, had a number of jobs, kind of worked, uh, you know, through financial services, um, worked for a lot of banks and um, did some computing jobs. And then, you know, I, I found out along the way that, you know, even right back in the school days, I was very entrepreneurial, doing a lot of kind of things on the side. And then um, just got to the point where I was just so frustrated, I just had to leave my job and, and just do something, you know. And so um, the first real venture was uh, worked with a couple of guys that, that I was working with um, in, a, in a call centre. I actually uh, had, a sh- had a short job in a call centre to try and help them with some reporting. That six-month contract went for 18 months and got to learn a lot about the technology. And then the guys were like, okay, this has got to, there's got to be a better way to do this. And so we came up with, um, you know, let's start our own thing and start our own technology for for contact centers and this was uh, this was in 2005 and so this was when um, Skype was kind of very in its very early days right mm-hmm. remember the days where you try and talk on the computer and it was like <laughs> like a robot yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so we just thought you know what well, let's do that for call centers yeah. so we didn't just kind of go let's do a little thing let's just make it even bigger and it was you know quite complex but we got it off the ground and um, you know that was very successful we did that over over a few years and then um, and then after that um, by that time I was in the northern beaches and then uh, you know left uh, finished up in that and then you know was working in in Manly and you know thought well let's start something in Manly and um, you know from that day you know to now it's been working with uh, with Lakiba group um, and you know commercializing technology and, and trying to find really cool ways to to fix problems and bricklets the latest one I mean you know the challenges around the property market and where it's at and so it's kind of just been an evolution really that there's obviously this consistent theme in your life and you mentioned before that you know you were frustrated but you always knew that you were this had this entrepreneurial kind of flavor to yourself and always is thinking around how can we do things smarter or better, you know, and that seems to have kind of progressed with you, tracked you, you know, through your career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, right back in school, you know, I was kind of selling things that probably most people shouldn't sell and, and things like that, but we won't go into any details, but it was kind of a, an entrepreneurial an entrepreneurial flair back in the day and uh, right back from the beginning. And, you know, it was... Always, always looking for something more and always looking to try and solve things. You know, like one of my first jobs uh, was actually at um, Red Rooster as a, as a kitchen hand, right? And they used to do this um, every week there was a, um, you know, they'd, they'd do the stock take, right, of all the, you know, let's, let's count all the food. They'd write it all out manually. And then at the, end of the, at the end of all that, they'd do all the calculations with a pen and then they'd pick up the phone, they'd call a voice recording at head office and actually just talk it through, 
right? And then go, okay, this is, we've got, you know, 15 bread rolls, we've got this many chickens, blah, blah. I'm like, that doesn't seem very good. <laughs> you know, we've got these computers, we should be able to do some stuff. And so, you know, help them out with that and um, was pretty amazing. So just little things like that, like always looking to try and find better ways to do stuff. I think it's very interesting where you said uh, you got very frustrated when you were working with someone else. I think that happens with a lot of entrepreneurs um, and a lot of uh, entrepreneurs in their early stages of their career, they do come across a lot of those frustrations because they um, wanna do so much more. They see the systems and processes that are in place and they think that they can improve them, but they're sort of stuck in a position where they're not in any sort of management where they really have any uh, ability to be able to affect change and therefore that builds up that frustration and they tend to then either jump around at a few different roles or get so frustrated they just go and do something um, on their on their own. Uh, and it may not necessarily be following their passion of what they initially, but they just go and start something or do something for themselves. Uh, I think that's a, what a lot of times what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs or that entrepreneurial flair that people have. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, you, I've said it quite a few times, you know, for me, your strengths are such a, um, an important part of your identity, but we often don't spend any time understanding that. And when you look at a lot of the research that has come out, um, a lot of people are frustrated in their jobs because they don't actually get to use their strengths. But they've also never even been taught how to find out what their strengths are. So, you know, I know your story, you know, Darren, I've spent a bit of time with you. And one of the things that I really notice about you is you have this visionary attitude and um, this innovative um, approach to things. Like you said, you know, what you, you're always wanting to make things better, smarter, do things smarter, make it more efficient. And part of that is because, you know, you see things a few steps ahead and, and where things possibly could be, you know. And, and I think coming back to what you were you were saying, uh, Matt, is that um, if you have that kind of natural characteristic, you will get frustrated if you're in a job where you're not allowed to use that, where you don't get to use those natural strengths that you carry. And often you don't because, you know, you, you, we're brought up in a society that says, this is a rule book, this is how you play and just fit. And I'm going to tell you how to do this job. And we've always done it that way. So we're going to continue doing it that way. And if you put your hand and say, I think there's a smarter way of doing this. Go, no, 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 no. This is how you're going to keep doing it. And yeah. you get frustrated because you don't get to live out those strengths. And I think smaller businesses are a lot more agile and individual employees actually have a much larger breadth of work because they're doing multiple roles. But when you mentioned you're working for big banks, so you are having a very defined role, yeah? And you, know, it's, you, you must do X because there's a whole ecosystem of business around you that requires you to do that X very well so that then everything else then follows suit. So with that in mind, when you sort of launch Lakiba, how is Lakiba different to, for example, working in some of those bigger, bigger banks? Yeah, I guess the difference is just being able to do or have more control in what you, you know, what you want to do and what's the outcome. And I think the most important thing is, and I think this is probably the bigger drive for people that want to do something for themselves, is actually enjoying, really enjoying what you do. You know, when you wake up and you're super excited about the next day ahead because you want to do something, that's, that's the real key. Um, like, and that's the same with my kids. Like, you know, the, um, the oldest ones are in their early 20s now and it's, and it's always been for the last five years, you know, what do you want to do? You know, oh, what should I do? What am I good at? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, look, you've just got to find what do you actually enjoy doing the most? What, what do you love to do? Out of all the things you've done at school, what's the thing that really fires you up? And you go, oh, I, could, I would love to do that. I want to do extra, you know, and it's that kind of thing. I mean, when I was... Um, Going through year 11 and year 12, I was um, quite good at maths. I was one of the top students at maths. And my year advisor um, told me, you're good at maths, so 
you know, you should be an accountant. So I actually did my first year doing accounting at university, right? So boring. Why? You look like an accountant. I could not deal. Could you imagine me doing an accounting course? (laughs) No. (laughs) You could become like that accountant for that movie with... um... Oh, no. That's a different level of accountant. (laughs) Different level of accountant. You know, and and it's the same with with everything, you know. And and I've even spoken to people that, um, you know, even people that are um, professional sports people, you know, and people that have gone, okay, I'm doing something because I'm good at it is different to I'm doing something because I love it. Yeah. You know, and you just become good at it. Yeah, and I think, you know, we're talking about these strengths and even like, you know, you're dealing with, you know, you've got your five kids and you're working through with them. I do the same thing with my kids and I know Matt has the same approach because it's one of those things that we don't get, we don't really get taught to find out what our strengths are. And we just, like I said before, we just got to fit in whatever pigeonhole society is trying to push us into. But one of the, one of the easiest ways to find out what your strengths are is to ask somebody to share with you, you know, something from your life where they've seen you absolutely flourish and just just kill it and tell you what that story is and you'd be able to pick out of that where, why you managed to make that work and often enough made it work. It kind of came a little bit easier than in other areas, you know, and I do that with my kids, you know. I go back and say, I remember this when you did this and blah, 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 you know, and they go, oh, okay, and then they go away and they chew on that and they go, you know, and then they get an idea of, what those strengths are. And it's those strengths that you can carry across into any context. So, you know, for example, you know, you started in computers and the programming, you're working, working in your early days in, what was it, Red Rooster? Did you say Red Rooster? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Red Rooster. <laughs> um, you've worked with the banks and now, you, you know, you, you've, you're coming across into property, into the property space, but that, that strength, that natural character, that, that, that drive that you carry, you've just brought it across, that innovation, that visionary, that wanting to improve, make things better, make things, you know, easier to get done. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting, there is a certain level where you can pursue your passion, but just because you love surfing doesn't necessarily mean you want to go out and become a surfing instructor. Um, yeah, that's not going to happen for you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky I'm good at finance. <laughs> so, but then it's also looking at what you mentioned before in terms of things that you would really love just doing. But when you're such a young person, you don't really know because you have such limited um, life experience. And I think a lot of youngsters trying to work out what they're going to do, there's so much pressure on them. Oh, yeah. Whereas yeah. I really think you just need to like chill out, understand that you know in your 20s, it's really a time to really figure out sort of who you are and what you want to do. So get out there and try a couple of different things. Explore, and, yeah. And become an avid yeah. learner, yeah? So yeah. just try and learn as much as you can with as much breadth as you can. And then that way you'll get as experience doing different things and then try and work out what you're going to do for the next 30, 40, 80 years of your life, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think it's more about learning to be adaptable as opposed to, you know, gone are the days where, you know, people have a career for 30, 40 years. Yeah. You know, most people will change jobs, you know, many times throughout that. Yeah. And look, and obviously, you know, there are those in, in, um, that are really gifted at being an accountant and that's exactly what they want to do. They love numbers. They love being able to solve these, you know, these accounting challenges and stuff like that. And great, you know, but if it's not you, I think that the thing with life is that you've just got to find out what your natural rhythm is and live out your authentic story, not what anybody else or society is expecting from you. Yeah. You need to figure that out for yourself and then pursue that. And only when you do that will you um, have a sense of uh, happiness or purpose or, you know, 
you're, you're moving in the right direction. And so do you feel like you're in that sweet spot right now with, you know, the role that you're playing at Bricklet? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love it. I mean, you know, every day is, it's just new challenges and, and it's just really exciting around, you know, what we, you know, what we're doing and we're changing the way that, um, you know, that people buy property and that's exciting. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I tell the story about, you know, the changes that Uber made and the changes that Airbnb made and, and how things are very different now um, because of them, you know, and Bricklet's going to be very similar. You know, at the moment, you know, we're only two years old, so it's quite new and, and uh, you know, it, but in five, ten years' time, this is just how you trade property, you know, and that's really exciting to be doing something where you're actually changing the way that people will do something. Yeah, because everybody talks about moving into this digital economy and yet a lot of the, um, the ways we still currently do business is still in the traditional way of doing business and property yep. is yep. one of them. Yep. And Bricklet is now stepping into that digital space in how you transact or buy and own property. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess... You know, not knowing the depths of, of kind of how property works around how does the conveyancing work, how does property management work, and, you know, going back to those concepts of kind of what is it I can see a problem and I want to fix it. When you look at all of that, man, there's a lot to fix. <laughs> <laughs> it's a behemoth. It's a behemoth of, uh, of an industry with many, many different players. If you just think about a normal real estate transaction, you've got um, a real estate agent who's acting for the vendor. You've then got a solicitor who's acting for each of the vendor and the purchaser. You've got people who are doing the marketing. You've got property managers. You've got pest and building inspectors. You're like You've got strata managers. You, there is just a huge ecosystem which is really doing things in that old fashioned way or, or the real estate industry really hasn't evolved in the last you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It's yeah. still being done nearly exactly the same way as it was 100 years ago in terms of like title exchange and, and things like that. So yeah, I think you've uh, taken on a huge um, area to, to innovate, but it's also that's where you get the most growth and that's where it's the most exciting because you get to have the biggest impact. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of it also, um, you know, a few people have said to me around, you know, successful companies and it's, it's a lot of it is to do with timing. And so the timing of where we are now with a lot of things, especially now um, PEXA, which is the online conveyancing platform, um, you know, you've got now New South Wales government has now brought in um, digital title, you know, so all these things are starting to slowly happen. So over the next five, 10 years, you'll see a very big change, you know, right across the board, but it's all that timing around, you know, all the pieces that you need to be able to make it work. Yeah, but I guess what I love about the vision that you have for, for Bricklet is a little bit like, um, I remember listening to a podcast, um, I can't remember the name, the gentleman's name. Anyway, it's to do with Uber and a couple of his mates were um, invited to participate uh, you know, in the early days of Uber, venture capitalist. And they said no, because they were looking at the San Francisco, the San Francisco taxi market, which was about $50 million in, you know, in, in, in space. And they said, oh, well, if we capture 10% of that, it's only 5 million bucks. And so it's not enough. <clears throat> so they passed. And yet now Uber doesn't do $50 million in San Francisco. It's 500 million. So if you look at this scarcity model and you like, for example, going back to what you were saying before, Matt, the current property stakeholders, and you simply try to innovate what they're currently doing, you're competing for who's currently playing. Yeah. The same way these venture capitalists thought of Uber, um, you know, at the taxi market. But I think what Bricklet potentially has the capacity to be able to do is like Uber, not the 50 million that you're fighting for, it's the other 450 million that's currently not even engaged within that property space yeah. and making it easy for them. How do you see, you know, is that what you see for Bricklet? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a change, you know, it's a change for the whole industry. It's a change the way that people will 
transact property, right? So up until now, it's only been that traditional way you've been saying, Matt, around, you know, there's a conveyancing process. It takes all this time. There's a lot of things to be done. There's a lot of paperwork, right? So, you know, Bricklet's vision is to have the ability to be able to select something that you want, um, deposit money, click buy, and actually have it on title all yeah. within minutes, yeah. not within <laughs> six weeks and have a whole ugly thing going on, you know? Yeah. So we'll get to a point where, you know, th this younger generation of people that will buy their first property um, or buy their first pieces of property is um, they won't even know the old way. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, 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 well, I know. They'll just look at that and go, wow, what, what do you mean? It's kind of like saying, hey, we've got a landline home, uh, landline phone at home. <laughs> What's it's that? like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? It's on a cord. Like, <laughs> well, I, I, I used to joke that with the kids saying, you know, a cassette player. And they're like, what's a cassette player? But now they even actually say, what's a disc player? Like, I, I remember that when we went from cassette to disc player, that was pretty a, a leap forward. But my kids don't even remember the disc player. Uh, I was at my buddy's house on Tuesday night and we were trying to think about a movie to watch and he bought out a uh, Blu-ray DVD. Who even has a machine to play that? <laughs> oh, he does. <laughs> uh, and, and then, so he put that in and I was like, wow. Like that is just a step back in time because you know, my, kid, like my kids, they've got no idea what tapes are and even deep CDs, DVDs. Yeah. They just understand that you can click a remote control, you need to navigate to Netflix and then you start watching. Yeah. And yeah. it's live and it's automatic. Like it's the, the kid, my kids don't even understand the advertising we had to use to sit through. But there's one word they all know, Wi-Fi. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. most important thing in life now is Wi-Fi. Yeah, whenever they go anywhere, any, any venue, it's like, do you have Wi-Fi? What's a Wi-Fi code? Do you get that? I mean, how old are your kids? Uh, seven and nine. That's right. So and they don't have their own phones or their own devices um, as yet, but they'll be getting them soon <laughs> to, do, uh, to do their homework on, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, I guess that Wi-Fi will become a bigger issue uh, for us or yeah, hotspotting to my phone, I think, will probably become more of the, the thing. And what's the age bracket of your five kids? Uh, youngest one's uh, nine and ten. Yes. Um, next one is 17. Yes. And then 20 and 22. Okay, wow, that's a good spread. So you're at you're you're at the Matt's end of the kids' stage, and you're also at my end of the yeah kids both stage. spectrum. Yeah, <laughs> good times. Keep you on your toes. <laughs> Absolutely. So you you get to practice your innovation kind of thinking and dealing with all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so funny. Like um, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, let's go. <clears throat> A few weeks ago, um, you know, because we, you know, like one of these shows, right? And and on the video, kids were watching, it and they're like, "Oh, Dad, you're a YouTuber!" <laughs> I was like, "What?" They, they thought I was a movie star or something. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting when uh, your kids actually start to see what you do. And then particularly if you're then on a platform where they go to for information. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my kids also spend a lot of time um, around on YouTube. So, yeah, they've uh, found some different things that I've been uh, on there for. And they're like, Dad, you're on TV. <laughs> yeah, very exciting uh, for them. Yeah. But the whole um, the whole DVD thing, I mean, that, that's a good example of the timing, right? So if you think about it, when Netflix, Netflix can't, like even when Netflix was first thought about, um, I was thinking, gee, that's that's too early because the quality of the internet wasn't quite there, yeah. you know. And it's only now that the quality of the internet is good enough for everybody in your street to be downloading real time yes. TV at the same time. Yeah, Imagine trying right. to do that with oh. the dial up internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But that's also where um, Netflix sort of started from. They started with CDs and, and DVDs to start with, then they then merged into uh, them right, being yeah. live streaming. They wanted to always get there, but the technology uh, yeah. wasn't available at, at, at the time. Yeah, so, so interesting. <laughs> I think Netflix went to Disney and offered them, said, guys, you should really buy us. Um, we're going to revolutionize the way that people view movies. And they passed on that. And then now they've got their own yes. channel. But yeah, very interesting how some of these innovators come into a space where you have sort of those dinosaur style of businesses that they just can't see the same thing as yeah. the um, innovative entrepreneurs who are then moving that particular uh, industry forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and it does create a lot of frustration as well because you want to get somewhere, especially like within Bricklet, right? There's, there's a lot of things that we want to do, but because there's so much tradition and so much regulation around property, it's actually hard. And yes. so you kind of want to go, well, it shouldn't be that hard. You know, there's so many things that you just go, oh, if that was just like that, it would be so much easier. And it's just... Yeah, it, it's, just, it's, it's just so interesting in how in life and in business, those... Um, that those rules and how we get to do things or what we, how we get conditioned, you know, it's not just in life, it's also in business. And it's often very hard to push against that. So yeah. like in life, you know, you have a, there's a certain expectation on you to try and break free from that, to not conform is difficult. And the same thing in business, because you're trying to innovate this space that's been doing it for such a long time this way. And you're saying, hey, maybe we could do it differently maybe we could do it more efficiently maybe do make it a bit smarter make it maybe more make it more efficient so it's cheaper for people to transact and they're like no (laughs) how do you deal with that yeah it's hard it's really hard you know i mean you know there's so many battles with you know legal guys and people that just don't understand things around it's like okay we want to do we want to take property and we want to cut it up into smaller pieces but we still want to own it right the first reaction I had from that was, no, nah, you're kidding yourself. You don't, don't even try, <laughs> yeah. right? But if you can, we want to do it. We think it's amazing and, you know, we'll invest in it. You know, love this, love this. And so it's like, okay, let's, let's see if we can make this work. And, you know, it took kind of six months of really hard work with a lot of really smart people that, you know, knew property, knew the legal um, frameworks around property to, to just finally come up with that. And I remember there was just one light bulb moment around, you know, how we could crack, you know, two or three of the pieces. And it was just sitting around the table, you know, just everyone. And I'm like, guys, if we all wanted to buy a piece of property right now, how would we do that? Okay, let's step through that mm. and let's go, okay, if we wanted to do that, which we can do now, how do we just make that better? Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's, it's what people need to start to think about is, okay, it's not like a restriction. It's not like we don't want to get there. It's just let's think about how we can do it as opposed to, oh, it's all too hard. And I think it's really interesting how you've used a lot of technology technology to now enable people just from their smartphone to actually buy a fragment of property. So now you can trade your shares on your phone and now you can actually trade your property fragments on, on your phone as well. So I think that's going to be yeah. um, a phenomenal way forward, especially for new millennial style investors, because that's all they know. They don't. If they don't ever have to go to an open home, if they don't ever have to go and see the property, but they have all the information there to make an informed decision, then that's what they do. That's what they want. So they can then make that decision, invest that capital, and then get on to being woke or whatever it is that they want want to do. Because, you know, they're in this part of their lives where they just want to be out having fun, traveling, um, and, you know, 
they don't want to be sitting down or spending six or 12 weeks going and visiting open homes to try and find a property investment. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then that's the whole thing about it. It's trying to make it easier for people um, and also trying to create something that is of value, right? So giving them access to things that they wouldn't normally be able to access. You know, especially the younger generation today, you know, it's really hard. You know, my kids would look at, okay, what would I actually need to do to buy a house? You know, it's it's a long road ahead, you know, and the property price is just going up so much. It's really hard, right? So give them that opportunity, let them do it, um, and let them build a really good portfolio over time. Yeah, and I, and I guess that comes back to the whole idea about this, you know, the podcast is, you know, our podcast is called The Rebellious Investor. And, you know, the automatic thing you think about when you think of rebellious investor, you think somebody who's breaking the rules. Yeah. And, but, you know, some rules are meant to be broken because they, are conf- they confine us. Yeah. And I'm not talking about, you know, doing criminal activities and stuff like that. But, you know, we, we, we are so structured and we are taught to, to fit and to conform. And, you know, and so you've got this innovative way now of being able to, a pretty bougie way, I would say, of being able to buy property, you yeah. know, from the comfort of your yeah. armchair at home. Yeah. But there's so much media out there at the moment saying how hard it is to get into the property market, how hard it is to get started, how hard it is to diversify and build a, you know, a truly uh, a strong, powerful, diverse property portfolio. And if you want to go down that traditional route and stay there, then yeah, that's your story. Yeah. Or you can step outside of that and say, I'm not going to conform. I'm not going to, that's not working for me. I'm going to explore. I'm going to be curious and check out this kind of stuff that you're doing, yeah. which is challenging that. That's yeah. what I find so exciting. That's what, you know, I mean, and that's the thing, you know, your life, Darren, it, that just seems to flow all the way through um, to the point where you're now disrupting this property space that's a little archaic um, <laughs> and bringing a new way of doing things, which is really, really exciting. Yeah, and I also think when you're trying to innovate, particularly in the investment space, you have a lot of um, people who are already deeply involved in that industry and they don't actually want things to change. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So all those big real estate networks, they don't want change. They don't want property managers to be moved all online. They don't want people to be able to buy property online. Like it, it yeah. really has a big impact on their entire way of living. And so you have huge businesses and stakeholders that um, don't want things to change. Yeah, yeah. They want to innovate their industry their way so that they're at that cutting edge where you're sort of stepping in from the side and saying, hey guys, we're going to start doing property this completely new way. Yeah. You guys can jump on board with us because this is going to be the future or you can continue to do things the way that uh, you are doing it. So you've, you've obviously spoken with quite a few real estate agencies and some of those larger groups in Australia. Yeah. What's been their um, initial response to Bricklet? I think I think um, there's a few outliers that are you know really understand the innovation and, and are quite excited by it and see that there is definitely you know there will be a future change um, you know but overall you know it's been quite challenging most people again it is a quite a traditional industry you know and so um, you know there hasn't been a big kind of jump towards it from the industry itself uh, which has been interesting and I mean even as a really good example is. Um, a side effect, I guess, of, of Brickley is not just how you buy property, but also how you rent, right? So if you think about um, the, the way it is at the moment is you've got a landlord. And one of the biggest things that, that renters hate is the fact that the landlord could kick you out at any time. You know, they can move back in, they can sell the house, things can change, right? Once the property's on the Brickley marketplace, then it doesn't. It stays there forever, yeah? And so the tenant experience then totally changes. Mm. You know, now you've got a tenant who feels comfortable to be there for a long time. Yeah, you know, and that's going to change the way that renters will start to rent. And we'll have people lining up 
wanting to rent properties that are on the Bricklet marketplace because yeah. they have that sense of security. Yeah, and that, the ability to make it their home, which is important to all of us. You know, yeah. Whether you're renting or whether you're owning, you want to make your home your home. Yeah, definitely. Well, it was one of the big things that Eleanor uh, yes. from Dwell Nicely said uh, on last week's podcast that, you know, one of the biggest stresses that uh, tenants have is not knowing if they're going to be able to extend their lease because for whatever reason the landlord situation has changed and they want to do something different with that particular property which is their investment but it's the tenant's home. Um, Yeah so mate that anxiety level has increased significantly in my family. We just got our notice. We'll be moving in February so it's going to be an interesting uh, summer of looking for a new home. I outsource all of that to my darling wife. That's what what she loves to do so I'll be informed where where I'll be living soon but I'm sure it'll be somewhere in and around uh, Manly. But yeah just getting that notice even though that we knew that that time was coming up it does just add that couple of levels of wow where are we going to be living in March next year? And then the, the hunt uh, commences. Yeah, yeah. So having that innovation on the tenant side as well, where you could know, hey, I want to come to this particular platform where I know that property is going to be an investment property for an extended period of time. So I can sign longer term leases with automatic uh, increases, uh, rental increases built in, um, similar to how commercial uh, yeah. real estate works. Uh, and then know that I can actually put my flat screen TV on the wall, I can actually paint my kids, you know, room pink if I want. I don't think either of my sons want their room pink, but <laughs> if they did, um, and then and then go from there because it's so important that you know it is people's homes and they want to make it feel that way um, yeah. because you know when you're around your family, that's one of the, the safest, most happiest places that most people can be in. So having the ability to be able to do that is really, really important to to everybody. Yeah. And I guess one of the benefits as well is, you know, um, since we've started Bricklet, it's just hearing some of the user stories, you know, hearing how people are just so grateful to be able to get onto the property ladder that mm-hmm. haven't been able to, you know, yeah. and that's where it really kind of comes home. But, you know, we talked a lot about the positive stuff, but there's a lot of the, you know, it, it's a lot of hard work, right? Sure. At the same time, there's a lot of big challenges, but it's just rewarding to get that, you know. Yeah, end. and I think that the success behind anything innovative like what you're doing with Bricklet into that ecosystem, to that existing stakeholder environment is understanding the very stakeholders. And typically, um, the tenant gets left out of that stakeholder equation. Mm-hmm. You know, They're just the person who's paying the rent, giving me the return yeah. on the property. Yeah. But when you understand all the stakeholders and you're trying to meet the needs and, and create a great experience for all the stakeholders, so whether you're the vendor, whether you're the purchaser or the investor in the property, whether you are the tenant, the resident of the property, wanting to make it your home, whether you are in fact part of the conveyancing team or the, 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 the sales team, whatever, understanding all of that and understanding how they all contribute to making this thing work, but everybody's getting rewarded, everybody's having an exceptional experience, I think that's a pretty strong formula for success. Oh, 100%. The most successful businesses that are out there are the ones that make you know, huge systematic changes across entire industries and then make things easier for people. You know, more and more we see the most successful businesses are the ones that have the client experience where it's just simple and easy. And that's really, I guess, what Bricklet is bringing to that property investment market for both um, investors and then also for tenants. So we haven't spoken about vendors. So how does um, Bricklet solve problems for, I guess, the vendor who wants to sell their property? 
Yeah, I guess the main the main thing for vendors is that it's the ability to tap into the, I guess, you know, for those people that are buying bricklets or buying smaller pieces of property, it's a different audience. And so at the very beginning when we were talking to both Mervac and Stockland, who are investors in bricklet, right, the conversation was around, you know, trying to access a different demographic because they know property prices are going up, mm. right? And as property prices continue to go up, if you're a manufacturer of things that are going up and up and up in price, you know, it becomes, there's less and less and less people that could potentially buy what you're building, yes. right? And so, okay, if we can now cut them up into smaller pieces, now it's a big opportunity because now we can sell it to a lot more people. And so I guess that's the, probably the biggest advantage to yeah. a vendor. Yeah, interesting. So they'll be able to build or produce more property and then have a broader range of people that they can then sell that property or property fragments to. I think it goes back to what we were saying before about Uber. You know, if not looking at the $50 million taxi market in San Francisco, yeah. um, looking at the ones who weren't even using taxis before who yeah. are now using an Uber in yeah. San Francisco, taking it from a $50 million market to a half a billion dollar market. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about here with the vendors and the yeah. residents and the investors, the whole lot. There are gonna be people that are now playing in that property space that have never played in that property space. Yeah. And that's quite a few people. Yeah, absolutely. Mate, how did you think of uh, Bricklet as the concept? So how did you come up with fragmenting a property? <laughs> it's a really good question. Um, I, I guess it started from, um, you know, back in the day when we were looking at, we were actually asked to look at a project uh, for one of the islands in Queensland and actually breaking it up and, and putting it on blockchain using um, you know, blockchain tokens to, to be able to create something different. And that project didn't go ahead, but it kind of sparked the idea of you know, smaller pieces of property would make sense. But at the same time, hearing so much around um, how hard it is for people to get into property. You know, people in the office talking about it, my kids talking about it. You know, everyone's just, as you said, you know, every day there's articles in, in the news about the sure. property prices yep. and how hard it is. And it's just, you know, well, it shouldn't be that hard. It's just the price point is so high. Yeah, interesting. Um, and then so with that being, uh, with solving that and being able to put it into fragments, what are some of the other innovations that Bricklet's brought to the market to then help people, uh, I guess, access property? Yeah, well, it's, it's I guess it's around um, the accessibility, right? So the ease of how you can actually transact. Yep. And that's kind of, so it's the user experience that is, you know, if I wanted to buy, um, you know, property fragments today, you know, you can log into the platform, you can deposit money and you can buy the property, right? Within a few days, you're on title and you own property. It's like, that's just an amazing experience. And so it's kind of, uh, I guess, the way that people transact is probably the biggest change that we're making. Yep. And then, so what are some of the options that are for people to, to transact? So if I've got $25,000, I can then just go on and buy a bricklet. Um, what if I don't have all the $25,000? What are some of my other options? Yeah, so one of the innovations that we've brought on, brought on recently is, um, is a payment plan for bricklet. So we work with the vendors around an 18-month payment plan. And so it's basically you pay 10% up front, so roughly, say, let's say two grand, um, and then you'll pay 5% a month for 18 months. So it's like two grand up front, $1,000 a month, you own the property up front, and you're getting the income along the way while you're paying it off. It's just been phenomenal. In fact, you know, every time that we release some, they, they go very, very, very quickly. Yeah. And then so when you um, say there you own the property, what do you mean specifically by that? Because, you know, you can own property um, through sort of unitized trust structures. You can own a direct property just with my name on it. How does yeah. that work? Well, you're on title and that's effectively the main thing, right? So the, di the main difference with Bricklet and, and any other um, fractional property platforms that, that are out there 
Um, we're the first ones to actually do it on tidal. And that's the fundamental difference with Bricklet. And the real benefits of that will come in the near future when we start to offer finance around those Bricklets that you can then leverage. So, you know, making money off property traditionally is, you know, you get a loan, so the amount of money that you invest is smaller than the amount of the property. So the more it goes up, the more money you actually make. And so by having it on title, we'll be able to provide facilities for people to automatically, let's say, um, have a 50% LBR for their loan, right? So if you've got a $50,000 worth of bricklets, now you can have another 50,000, so now you've got $100,000 worth of property that's going up at the same value. Yeah, cool. yeah property investors, they do love their leverage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's interesting the way that that all um, works there. Did you have a question, Ray? No, I just wanted to ask you, so your role as CEO of Bricklet, um, you're finding that it's a, it, the role is what you want it to be and you're enjoying it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it all, every every kind of CEO role, I guess, comes with its challenges. And yeah. then, you know, sometimes I feel like a, a bit of a politician, you know, because you've, <laughs> you, you've got to navigate, you know, the investors, you've got to navigate the customers, you've got to navigate, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to it. You and, know? You, and you're getting to utilise, obviously, those strengths that we talked about, that, that visionary aspect and the ability to innovate, that entrepreneurial characteristic that is so important to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. I love that. I love taking something, you know, especially that's going to completely change the industry and the way that we actually transact. It's really exciting. I think that's, you know, that's definitely one of the things that really drives me forward is being able to do that. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of challenges. Regulation in property is just hard work. <laughs> and we're not, you know, we kind of almost cross over between property and financial product. We've been questioned a few times yeah. about whether we are a financial product, which, you know, 100% we are not, but, you know, there are still a lot of questions that come. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's, it's like very similar to Afterpay, right? When Afterpay started, there was a lot of questions around whether it was credit or not credit, right? But they just sold it on. They said, look, no, we're changing this. this is, yep. It is what it is. Pioneering. And we'll keep yeah. pushing that message. And it's the same with Bricklet, you know? It is what it is. It's property. It's direct property. And we're going to change the world. So it's a busy, complex role that you get to live out your strengths and all the rest of it. So what do you do to unwind? How do you how do you switch off? Because <laughs> it sounds like you've got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, that's a good one. So um, often it's just going for a, going for a kick with the kids, or, or going to the beach, or you know sometimes a bit of a game of poker. Yeah, and then there's a poker game on. I don't mind a bit of game. Of poker. <laughs> no, I know you don't. <laughs> and so to get going on your day, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Uh, I'm, a, I'm an early riser, so yep. you know I'm usually kind of awake by about five, and then I'm I'm uh, my, probably between five and seven is probably the most valuable time for me in the day. Um, it's also the most quiet time because there's no one up in my house yeah, until okay. about kind of seven thirty eight o'clock. So um, I get a lot done and a lot of thinking, and it's just fresh mind, you yeah. know. And so it's really just you know a couple of coffees and just enjoying the. Cool. Yeah, working out. Time to yourself. Yeah. Um, cool. So you don't surf. What other sports? Do you golf or play hockey? Love golf. Can't play golf. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's me included as well on that one. <laughs> tried to. Tried either. to. No, I love, um, I mean, soccer. I've played soccer for the last 10 years and love that. So I was an Aussie rules boy um, back in back in my young days and loved that. But, you know, as I got older, it was kind of too too hard on the body. So, um, you know, soccer was, was much more much easier to, to do, and so I love that. In fact, I went out last night for the first time, you know, for four months, uh, finally out of lockdown, so it was good to go out for a bit of a run. I had a kick around with the boys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so much fun. I actually considered um, going back and playing soccer again uh, last this year and uh, decided against it. I was like, no more contact sports for me. I'm pretty injury prone, as you can tell from like, surfing <laughs> <laughs> expeditions. So, yeah, I was going to, no more contact sports for me, just uh, hitting the gym, 
doing my CrossFit, doing my surfing, that stuff uh, is definitely a way for me to uh, unwind. And very much now that everything is open again, looking forward to getting back uh, with the community of people. It's, it's interesting, people who are playing a lot of sports, um, running businesses, they typically then go and do a lot of those same things. There's a bit of a recipe. Most of them are pretty active. Um, you know, they have goals that they're trying to achieve both in their personal life and then also in, in their business. And all of the, a lot of those things come uh, into play together. So now that we can sort of start to travel again, where's your sort of hot list of where, where you're going to head to first? Uh, I guess internationally is, is the big one. So we've got a, a trip planned in uh, early next year, uh, probably around March, April, um, with the kids to go to the US. We had it planned for March, April, just as COVID hit. Oh. So we kind of had this had this amazing trip planned and it didn't happen. So we're planning to do that. And then um, straight <laughs> after that, it's definitely going to be Europe. I mean, we were in, um, in Capri um, a couple of years before COVID and it was just amazing and can't wait to get back there. Yeah, nice. Where are you going to head to? I actually don't know. Um, you know, again, so in 2019, before we got back, um, we spent we spent quite a bit of 2019 travelling, but my favourite holiday in 2019 was um, my wife planned a whole trip through Europe for six weeks, and my favourite spot, we went to Montenegro, we went to Bosnia and Croatia, and oh my gosh, did I fall in love with that place. Um, the food there, the people, the water, everything. Loved it. So I'm going to head back that way somewhere. Yeah, so yeah. Croatia is definitely on the top or on the list for us. That was where Claudia wanted to spend her 40th birthday. Um, but she very much wants to get back to Nepal. She is oh, yes. very motivated to climb some <laughs> big mountains, which I'll be going along for. Yes. Um, I was, I'm more on the path of going somewhere and just relaxing. <laughs> Just relaxing, chilling out, somewhere in Europe, even somewhere just in Asia, and just turn off the phone for a little bit and then just chill out. You should definitely come on our next trip up to the Himalayas. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I like Matt's idea. Oh. Just chill out. <laughs> okay. Beach, oh, beach resorts much, sound much more <laughs> relaxing than yeah. a climb up a mountain. I think when you do the, the those sort of really active holidays, um, it's not necessarily a holiday, it's more like an adventure. So you need to tack yes. on downtime. Um, when I do go back to uh, Nepal again, which I, I definitely will be going back, um, I'll be then tacking on at the end of that, minimum 10 days <laughs> of pool, beach, just chill out time, um, just to completely unwind. Because, you know, as much as you get up into the mountains, uh, it's a physically exerting and it's also very mentally relaxing. I also want the physical relaxation, <laughs> relaxation yeah. as well. Awesome. Well, Darren, thank you so much for spending some time with us today on today's episode of The Rebellious Investor. Hopefully the audience got to see a different side of you, um, a bit more deeper understanding of what makes Mr. Darren Young a tick, the guy who's heading up Bricklet. Yep. yep, but um, no, it's been really cool. Thank yeah. you so much. Matt, got anything else you want to wrap it up with? Matt, I've just got a couple of questions. Mate, what's been your favourite investment? Not, not your best investment, but your favourite one. Favourite investment in general? Just in general, yep. Um, I would have to say uh, way back in the day um, having some early Bitcoin Oh, <laughs> that I didn't even know what it was and someone said to me, you've got to have some of this. And then I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. What did you and buy, like four or five of them? <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't, like, I wasn't like the early guy with the pizza that, that bought the pizza with like, you know, five, five or ten bitcoins. Um, but no, it was, it was, it was, but it was just, I guess yeah. it was really interesting, yeah. you know, because it was like, Would what? Been, I don't sure. understand it, but... And also that space is also still very, very interesting. Oh, when yeah. you think about innovation um, and, and then investing, like that crypto space is all about 
innovation. So we could definitely have a podcast just talking about crypto. Eh? Yeah, I think we're going to get someone on hopefully soon. I yeah, because I have no idea about what it is. <laughs> yeah. so. But I think one of the biggest one of the biggest fails that I had as um, you know with an investment um, was uh, when I was a late teenager. One of my other jobs was working at a, at a greyhound racing. Um, training track oh, yes. and um, investing in a greyhound with one of my mates. Oh, no. <laughs> we, put, we put all our savings into this greyhound and it didn't even Did it run. run? <laughs> <laughs> did it catch any of the rabbits? It was not good. I, I did run one race, one race, and it didn't go well. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's very interesting. Uh, mate, favourite food? Uh, favourite food, I have to say Italian. Yep. I love Italian food. It's Great. Cool. Do you have a favourite wine to go with that Italian food? Uh, yep, I love um, I love a good Shiraz. Okay, yeah. nice, good Aussie. That's a good Aussie uh, answer there. Good, big, bold Aussie Shiraz. Nice, uh, mate. Last one, which you might have already answered, um, mate. If you could be anywhere else in the world today, uh, apart than with us, where would you be? <laughs> Still here with us. No. <laughs> anywhere else in the world? Well, I, I got to keep coming back to Capri because we had such an amazing time there. But that was with all the family and just you know, it was, it was just one of the best places in the world. Nice, excellent. Well. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for coming on, Darren. Yes. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of the day. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See you later. Adios. <laughs> Remember, this podcast is not personal advice, but meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. Each host and any guests are providing their own personal opinion and is not providing professional, financial, or any advice. The material provided does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more details, please review our full disclaimer located on our podcast website. Wow, that was a mouthful, but we got there. Speak to you soon. Speak to you soon.